We usually try to remain relatively impartial at Radio Juxtapose, but there are two things that you need to know about today's guest, Caledonia Dance Curry, aka Swoon. One is that she has the coolest real name in art, bar none. Second is that she absolutely dominates the dance floor. Welcome back to Radio Juxtapose, my name is Doug Gillen and today you join Evan Preco and myself live from Aberdeen, Scotland for the first in a two-part series in partnership with Newar Aberdeen. Now in its seventh year, Newar Aberdeen is the UK's and possibly even Europe's most notorious and well-loved week of street art, murals and off-the-beaten-path discussions and panels. The theme for this year's programme was rewilding, encouraging participants and audiences to reconsider how they see the public space and the role art and culture can play in that. Our guest on today's episode was brought out of a six-year retirement to create work on the street for the first time in the UK in almost a decade. I have a lot of people stop and be like, hey, I missed the bus and I had to walk down the street and now I'm glad I missed the bus because I saw you making this. And I'm like, you know, that feels good. It's like, okay, I can make your day a little better. Having established herself as a stalwart of the scene by the turn of the millennium today, New York-based Swoon is a true pioneer of street art culture. Working under the cover of darkness, she was quick to make her mark by applying pre-made block print wheat pastes in underexplored areas of this city. The subjects would range from those with deep personal relationships to complete strangers she grew fascinated with, and would last as long as the elements or this city would allow. Before long, she had burst through the confines of the street, settling comfortably within contemporary museums or as we speak today, showing with Deitch projects at Art Basel in Switzerland. Through her project Heliotrope Foundation, she has harnessed a beautiful relationship between art and activism, creating meaningful, tangible change in areas that need it the most. Today, she is primarily focused on her stop-motion animation and filmmaking practices, all of which we are going to cover in this conversation today. But most importantly, as a human, there is an energy flowing through Caledonia that is as beautiful as it is infectious, and she is an absolute joy of a person to be around, so it gives me nothing but pleasure to say you are listening to Radio Juxtapose Live in conversation with Swin. But I want I want to start I want to start this with the tale. A story. So you were the first cover artist that I worked on an issue juxtapose. But I didn't realize at the time Joey Garfield outed your name in that article. And I think it was the first time that you had been called Caledonia Curry print. And you were like, hey, I told Joey not to do that. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. Yeah. So Caledonia Dance Curry is the name. It is, is like the one of the name. greatest names, <laughs> the greatest birth names of all time. And Swoon's one of the best <laughs> artist monikers of all time. So, but I want to apologize eight, almost 18 years later. Yeah. That we, that we, Thank you. <laughs> I pretended that I didn't remember, but I had this really elaborate revenge planned for tomorrow and now I'm going to call it off. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, wait. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I forgot. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> but thank you. I, I would love an apology anytime. I'm, I'm really, Send them in, bring them. And I'm anyone really, else got really sorry. <laughs> and I'm sure Joey Garfield in, you know, Evanston, Illinois right now, yeah. if he's listening. Oh, we love that guy. We Hi, love Joey. Joey so... So Caledonia. That's right. This means this is like coming home. That so you're it like, is. Welcome, yes. welcome home. Yes. Yeah. So Caledonia is a Pictish name. It's like the Picts of, of the Highlands or these kind of, it means like steadfast and stubborn, which I only recently discovered. I was kind of excited to learn. I have uh, this, this guy here. He's a, he's a Pictish warrior. Pict. Oh my God. <laughs> We're looking at a tattoo folks. So uh, it's really Pictish warrior. Yes. They're so cool looking. They are like crazy covered in tattoos and yeah, they, they wore blue. They lived in like just the most remote, harshest conditions that you could ever imagine. And they were the only tribe that managed to successfully fight off Julius Caesar when the Romans came in and they, they got to these guys who were living in these mountains covered in blue, blue paint with tattoos, all completely naked, running feral across the north of Scotland. And they just got, they, they had conquered the resurrection, got to there and went, Nah, we're good. We're good. <laughs> they just turned back. And that's why they're known as like the steadfast, yeah, yeah. right? So are, are you steadfast and stubborn? I fucking yes, I am. 
Do you have to be? You have to be a little bit. I think so. I mean, I think every artist has to be, right? They say it's like, as an artist, you have to be this combination of like this face sensitive, like little soul. And then the other half of you just has to be like, I won't be stopped, you know? Because like, otherwise, like... Because you work with, you're, and we're kind of jumping right in, your productions are, are often very big productions. Yes. And so you're, you're kind of taking on that role. So what, what are you like when you're on that set that environment if i asked if i asked one of the, the crew just now what oh, would they say the no i think that i'm quite mellow i'm quite mellow it's more the stubbornness is much more deep rooted it's more like the project in braddock where we like i was like for 15 years i won't give up and we will find we will land this properly and we will find the way you know it's it's a little bit more of like a kind of a quiet like just being like i know i know like where i'm steering and i'm gonna go there and i'm gonna get there it's more like career stubbornness where it's like i'm gonna get this thing done yeah and every once in a while it will be like a stubbornness like you know working like in a museum and like the, you know that somebody's trying to be like just hang it here and i'm like no 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 there's there's a spot there's one spot that's it we have to hang it in its spot <laughs> you know yeah. so i have those moments too uh what's the, i'm trying to think of the the, the most uh, what are you doing here Fuck, I don't know. <laughs> you are you're you're existing in so many different spaces and places uh-huh. and you have definitely transcended beyond what we experience as just street art. Uh-huh. But for some reason you've kind of come back. Yeah. You know, I just I basically I don't know, it's it's why did I come back? I just kind of felt like it. I was like, oh, it could be fun. We just have a little sun go to Scotland, see some old friends you know, and, and just sort of have a little moment. But essentially, I kind of did like a hard retirement because street art is so consumptive as a practice. It's obsessive and it, there's a whole community. There's so much momentum that happens that I was like, if, if I don't cut this off, I'm never going to like learn about this other half of my creative self. Um, and so I really did have to like do a hard line. But then I kind of like fudged the line a little this summer. Like, yeah. a little more. Do you, do, so you, you've <laughs> retired the street art aspect of your practice? Yes, yeah, and I, I haven't made any more prints or like portraits in that style. I haven't gone out pasting since 2017. But you did new art in Norway back in the day. Back in the day, exactly. So, so I, this is an interesting, like, uh, the the world has changed, but street art, whatever we consider to be street art, has changed dramatically. That was still a bit more renegade time when you did yep. that. Um, or when even when you went to the Fame Festival and did stuff. Like, that was such a different time. Does it feel... When you come to something like this, and like you know, it's the consistency is Martin Reed, obviously, and uh, but do you feel like like a grandma? Uh, <laughs> so he's been building up like a relic. <laughs> yes, I, I didn't. I wasn't gonna. I, I I wasn't gonna say a relic. I was gonna say more like, of like like old royalty. Do you feel like one of the old Pictish stones? There you go. <laughs> I was gonna say something a little bit more complimentary, more of a pioneer. But okay, um, yeah, I tried. Do you, does, <laughs> it, does it feel <laughs> weird, just like how big this stuff all is, and like there's like you know people well, with maps totally in the street? Different. Like in, yeah. yeah, it just. I mean, even just the mural scale. Like I actually believe that there's a pretty big difference between like illegal, like like hit and quit it interventions on the street and like ginormous production murals for me they're like only tangentially related to each other because they're in the street that's right yeah <laughs> and what, what are your feelings on the big bigger productions then i mean i just think it's a, it's like a different it's just a different art form in a way like i think you know I, I like them like i'm going around this town in particular being like oh wow this town is really benefiting from this this is like it's kind of like breathing some deeply necessary oxygen into this place but it just, it just, yeah, it just feels like a different. And it's a different rush. I mean, if you, when you were first doing this on the streets, it was like, hit it and hit it yeah. and, and, and get your ass out of there. I'm like, now it's is that a phrase actually creepy that I just used? Yeah. <laughs> probably got some innuendo I don't there, know about. There's definitely another connotation there. <laughs> sorry, but... sorry. Excuse me. Excuse me. I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. <laughs> I'm like, who was I hanging out with back then that was saying that about street-based stuff? <laughs> Anyway, yes. now it's like, you know, somebody paints a mural for three or four days. So it's like, it, they really aren't related to what you were doing at the beginning. It's very different. Yeah, it's very different. When I was first like thinking about like making stuff out, out on the street, because I was such like a fine art kid that it was like a pretty weird thing for me to like want to go out on the street at all. So I actually took me because I'm like kind of a nerd. It took me like six months of like deep study to like make this decision. And one of the things I was like, I was basically learning about every form of art that was sort of temporary and public. And so I was like studying like Diego Rivera and the whole Mexican mural movement and the Chicano movement movement in the 70s in, in San Francisco and all these different like kind of, 
you know, ways that people were sort of making art that was like publicly accessible. So I have always identified like a thread with muralism, but um, I particularly am really bad at murals. Like I just, I actually think they're quite hard to do and I'm just like not good at yeah. them. So there's that. And then I also, I just like, you know, the thought process at that, it was so much about like mischief and like, you know, t temporality and like letting the paper raw off the wall and like letting it like be in these kind of messy downtrodden sort of spaces. Is that what drew you to the paste up then? Yeah, I loved it. That's why I never painted because the paint didn't decay in the same way. And the paper has this like life cycle that I just find super interesting. And I think the, there's such an element of, and you, you experience it particularly at festivals, there's an element of performance that comes with the, the mural artists. You know, you, they are there, they're up, they're, you know, they're kind of higher than you. You get to watch them painting because yeah. it's going, going on over days and days. But with paste-ups, it's so quick. Yeah. You know, just like stencils, that performance is really, really rare and kind yeah. of you've got you really to really be in the right place. Yeah, try not to be seen. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, that's the whole point, right? You're kind of like, I'm doing this, I don't really... Sort of an anti-performance, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Was that intentional that you didn't want to be the center yeah. of it all? Oh, I hate it. I did the Bowery Wall one time. It was, it felt like, I just, I don't know. It just, it literally felt like one of those dreams where you're like, it's the show and you, it, the opening has happened, but you didn't finish the art and everyone's trying to talk to you, but you're trying to finish the art. It was sort of like that. Yeah. Right. It was like, oh, thousands of people were trying to talk to you. Cause I was, I wasn't up in a lift. I was on the ground. And I was just like, this is impossible. I imagine the first time you put a pace up on the street, there was a thrill. Yeah. Because you weren't talking to anybody. Mm -mm. No, you were just trying to do it. You know, you were just like, hey, hey, trying to, you know. Right. And it's like, it's like basically having to explain how you write a song if you do mm -hmm. a mural in front of people. Like, well, this is how I write a song. And it's like, that's hard to do. Yeah. So it's, I think, yeah. better way of doing it. <laughs> do you still get that thrill from other because you, you, you do so many different things. I imagine doing it for an institution or something like that is going to be different. Yeah, like r like running around on the street and having that like kind of adrenalized fun is totally different for sure. I don't really, I definitely don't really quite have that. Um, and is that what brought you kind of back here? You know, 2017, we're looking, that's that's like five, six years yeah. we're talking. I so. wouldn't say so because I don't, I don't think it's really going to be the same because we're part of a festival. Even though I don't know that my spots are permission, in fact, I think they're not. But I, I just think it's still w under the auspices of a festival. So I don't, I don't think it's going to have that same kind of... Um, kind of feeling I'm I'm really kind of just here um I just I think it was almost more like a slight sentimentality for like this community there's something so like yeah being together and like Martin and Carlo and you guys and like it just the way everyone there's something so like supportive and like do it together like about this movement that I've always loved and so would you say that the contemporary art world's not like that <laughs> it kind of not I mean I don't really know because like my connection to the contemporary art world is so sort of in and out. Um, so I don't really, I've never felt like I'm a total insider in that world. So I can really speak from it. I don't feel that way. But maybe nobody feels that way. How do you feel then kind of looking back on street art culture? Do you feel that it's, you're too far removed from it and it's not really still for you? Or do you still feel that kind of like really deep, close connection to it? I think I feel the close connection to like the people that I know. But I also, you know, even just coming like coming here and a lot of the younger artists are saying like, hey, like one of the, the painters that I talked to yesterday, she was like, I essentially, you're basically one of the reasons I started doing this. And like hearing something like that is like pretty amazing. Like it makes you want to cry. You're like, oh hey, my well, God, I'm, right? I might start crying. So like that, you know, there's like that connection in that way of being like, holy shit, even if I've been off over here doing this and that, getting distracted by these other projects, that somehow like there's still a thread and like you kind of refeel it in those moments. What is it that you've actually brought here? We should actually talk about the, the content yeah, of the art. What are, what are you, I just, so what are you doing? I just brought, <laughs> again, I know you're doing something. Again, again we're just going to keep asking, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want to not do anything and pretend to be like, oh, I'm doing it tomorrow, I'm doing it tomorrow. You, and but just, you have delayed doing it, right? Is it, uh, yeah. I'm just being totally lazy. Um, no, I just brought like a, I just brought a bag of pay stuffs, very old school style. Yeah. So I'm just going to do a few spots. Yeah. That's it. Any particular and, characters or anything like that? I mean, you know, it's 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 just like a bunch of just a bunch of, you know, figures that I've like my dad is going to be a portrait of my dad. I'm sort of thinking about where they're going to go. There's, a, you know, some portraits of friends. I think I have two portraits of Monica. Oh, cool. She's yeah. always a star. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, is, is a, uh, And then, yeah, Sasu, who's also actually Kami Sasu. We're like a street art pair for years. Um, I, I drew also a drawing of Sasu. Does it? Does it change for you the relationship that you have if you're doing people that you have a close relationship with? The, if you're doing it with mm -hmm. your father, mm -hmm. how does that change anything? You know, compared to doing it with like if you're doing a pace up of you know a boy that you saw on the street or something yeah. like that, and then you can't catch that. 
I have my own like feelings about them, but when I'm actually pasting them out, I'm I think I'm thinking more about the relationship that other people are gonna have to them. You know, I'm so I'm like, how is this like old man with a staff gonna feel? Should he go in this dark passage, in this alley, in this alcove? You know what I mean? Like what's it gonna feel like to come upon this figure? For you then, would you want the audience in Aberdeen to to know that this is her father, this is her friend? Or do you like to just leave it more, this is up totally open and up for interpretation? I think it's, it's up to how much people. A lot of times people really do like to know that. And it is sometimes nice, you know, when people feel that you have a personal connection to it, they can also then relate it back to themselves right, a little yeah, more. Right, so, yeah. so I don't mind that either way. It's... I've always made work where you don't need you don't need anything. You don't need the notebook and the You can just approach you know. it. But if there's more then it's good. You use reoccurring imagery, but with the first thing that you put up on the streets back in the day, what was that image? And do you use any of that imagery today? The very first thing I put up was almost like this kind of I don't know what it was like these two guys with like weird like wires coming out of their heads I think it was a little like it was like slightly almost like sci-fi or something uh -huh. um that, that, that's, that's different yeah <laughs> uh -huh. definitely different to the artists uh -huh. that we know today you can see the, sure. the perplexed look on my face right now huh yeah yeah, yeah. wires is there here yeah exactly and it wasn't they were not very you couldn't the faces were very simple you couldn't really like kind of emotionally connect to them I mean, it was young it was really young work I was in college so it was you know, it was me just kind of very finding my voice. And it was, it's almost like, you know, the things that were like leading me at the time were like, where I had never seen a city. I mean, I grew up like in a small town. So like I get to New York and there's like fire escapes and like duct work and wires and all this shit everywhere. And I was just like, what is this? You know, and then sort of feeling like I'm a human and how do I connect with this? And so I think I was kind of drawing this like sort of human city hybrid, sort of finding like, how do I relate to this like place? Back then I was like sort of anti-vulnerable. I really was just like kind of out in the world, like, okay, I'm just going to do whatever, but like, I'm really not going to quite show myself. And so I think that work like really reflected that. And yeah, I don't, I don't, I brought that work back out when I did like a full on retrospective in Cincinnati that one time, yeah, yeah, yeah. but that's it. What were you going to art school for at the time? What did you think you were going to, you were thought you were going to be? I, well, I didn't know. I, I knew that I would figure something else out. Cause like I studied classical painting. So I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to be a classical painter, but I was like, something's going to happen when I'm in school. And I'm going to like crack, you know, crack this thing open and figure out who I am. And that's what happened. And what, what, what took you out to the street then? Especially if you're doing classical painting. It's not like a nurturing environment where they're, they're showing you to go out and paint in the street. And muralism wasn't a thing then. No. Uh, so what, what was it that was uh, pulling you that direction? It was like I just had a nervous breakdown. I just was like, I, this can't be it. Like, I can't. This can't be the whole of the story. And I just like... I just was so into like what I was seeing outside like the you know it was like this thing where like so like you look at like all these kind of collage artists like Rauschenberg for example I adored you know and I still adore Rauschenberg um but I when I saw the streets I was like oh that's probably what I was like oh these people were probably actually referencing this like actual thing that's just happening outside because of the bills and the graffiti and all of that you know and I was like oh fuck like I don't even feel like making an imitation of this I just want to like go be in it it was just like wanting to go to the better party. I was like, that's the cool party. I'm going to get in that one <laughs> rather than like staying in my studio and like imitating a collage. I was just like, I'm just going to get in it. it. But did you, was there like a community of people doing stuff on the streets at the time that you knew? Or is it no. you were just like, it was all, it was a solo mission? It was pretty much a solo mission. I had some friends that like maybe had like written graffiti when they were like 14 or something, you know? So like, and like a bunch of my friends were New Yorkers. So like, there was there was this sense of like oh this is a thing that people do but i didn't know anyone who was like active and i didn't um yeah i didn't have any so it was like it was like a pretty weird decision for me it's just it took me a while it took me like six eight months to really kind of be like okay what's this gonna look like for me and when were you when were you swooned that so when i moved to new york i got to be friends with all these new york kids one of them became my partner my boyfriend at the time and, and he had a dream that I was a graffiti writer who wrote Swoon. And I remember when he said... Projecting a little bit there. <laughs> yeah. He was like, you're a graffiti writer and you, you wrote Swoon. He was like, and it was such a beautiful name. And I was like, that's ridiculous. I would never do that. I am a classical painter. And then I was also like, oh, but that's a beautiful name. And I just remembered it. So then years, years later when I was doing this, I was, like, I was like thinking like I wanted a name. I was just talking about this yesterday because um, John mentioned Bast. And I was like, you know, Bast was like one of my favorite artists ever and is the reason I took a name because I, at first I was like, oh, names are just ego, blah, 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 you know? And then I would, 
walk around the streets and I would see somebody who did this like news box and I'd be like, that person's so cool. What is that? And I'd be like, fast. And then I'd see something totally different and I'd be like, oh, it's amazing. Who did that? Oh, fast again. And it, it was this moment of realization that a name can be almost like a generous way of being like, hey, you know me. And so I decided to take a name, but I was like, you can't, can't make up your own name. I just felt like I was like in my head, that was the rules. Them's was the rules, like either yeah. your name must find you. Yeah, yeah. And so I like remembered that dream, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna go with that. That landed for a long time. Really <laughs> Do you feel then, because what tends to happen a lot, is particularly when artists come from graffiti, yeah, is they'll do graffiti they'll have their name and then they'll start wanting to exhibit in galleries and then slowly but surely that name is now their full name the, yeah. the, the, the moniker's gone do you as a sort of as an artist that floats so often in institutional spaces do you feel pressure to drop this one no it's the opposite i want i want to go to my name and but people struggle with it and nobody wants me to ever it's just so much easier even like my own signature like it's when I sign something, that's just what I sign. Like I was like, oh. Would you sign soon or? I always do. Yeah. yeah. If, you know, like on your bank card or I something wouldn't like even, that? No, no, not on my bank card. But I don't, I sign like a, but it could be just as well. My only legible signature is my art, you know. So it's weird. Like I want to switch, but even I'm struggling and nobody else wants. Yeah, everyone just, yeah, it's, it's a little hard to ditch, to be honest. In the last few years, we've collectively lived through seismic changes in the way that we see the world. The rise of Black Lives Matter brought strained racial tensions to the forefront of the global conversation. The COVID-19 pandemic shut the whole world down and it seems on an almost daily basis our collective way of thinking is changing faster than most realise. Art plays a role in how we process and digest these experiences, but on a more tangible level it can be the vehicle that drives positive change forward. The Heliotrope Foundation is an initiative spearheaded by Swoon and has been working with communities impacted by natural disasters or in urgent need of social care formally since 2015. Each of them use community building through the construction of spaces, either through the construction of functional spaces or spaces of wonder. For me, I've always thought that even in times of crisis, that if we can bring creativity and art and joy and wonder into the process of rebuilding, that it sort of connects with something about us as human beings. The Braddock projects referenced in this next section have been gradually building since 2007, when Swoon and a group of friends purchased an abandoned church in Braddock, Pennsylvania. Through a series of creative approaches, the building was restored where possible and, and then deconstructed and rebuilt where damage was beyond repair. Alongside this, Heliotrope collaborated with Zakaya House to create the Sanctuary, a community centre and transitional living space whose mission is to reduce drug addiction, recidivism and homelessness by meeting people in their vulnerable states. We talk further more about this and much, much more right here, right now on Radio Juxtapose. I remember the first time that I saw your work in person in a gallery setting, you always brought like a vibe. And what I mean is it felt like there was always like you had like a posse and there was like a community of people that you kind of brought, you, that you guys kind of all brought along with each other. When did that start becoming something that was like you kind of had like a crew? I'm talking about like when you did the boat down the Mississippi mm. and that kind of like what like when did the vibe this that kind was of, a full collective I mean that was a that was such an incredible I think it started I think there was, I think I, I kind of know a start and it's uh I so I lived on Myrtle Avenue and you know when we were Kyler, we were just talking about ad busters and all this kind of stuff right reclaim the streets or, you know the commons I was totally obsessed with all that stuff and there were all these street level billboards they just boom like overnight they popped up all down the street that i lived on it was it really just kind of ruined the street like all at once and i was like kind of in thinking about that sort of question of like why can they shout at us but we can't shout back and so i i just went through the painting studios i bought like huge rolls of paper i got tons of buckets and i just went through all the painting studios and i was like guys 9 a.m sunday morning you know may 15th or whatever here's your paper make your painting meet me at this time and we're going to cover all the billboards on the street and I got so into it, just like organizing and just being like, guys, we're doing, this, we're doing this and trying to figure out how to not get in trouble and doing all the kind of research and stuff. And um, and it ended up being like so stressful that I was like, oh, man, I'm fuck it up. I'm never doing this again. But then we all got together. We did it. And then like the next day, I just like looked at the street and I was like, yeah, we just did that. And then that was truly like an us, you know, it was a thing that 
if one person had done it, it would have been like, that's cool. But like, wow, big ego for you to cover this whole every billboard. You know what I mean? But to just be like, oh, we all did this together. It was like, oh, this is something. So I think at that moment, I just was like, oh, this is a completely different experience if you if you do it together. Do you still operate with the same crew? Well, you know what? We actually, we sort of formed into a collective called Toy Shop. But that, and, and actually, weirdly, the project that I'm working on in Braddock, where we just are turning the house over to become housing for women coming out of prison, that's a direct result of Toy Shop. And like the people that, like that collective essentially moved to Braddock. And then those people connected me with um, Zakaya House, who's like my partner for like creating this housing. So like, it is it is kind of bizarre to be like, wow, these like, snarky like women in their 20s like wearing tutus and vandalizing things are the same essentially group of people that are like okay now we like took over and revamped this building and we're like creating housing for people like coming out of homelessness like it's there's a through line (laughs) this is such a huge part of your identity now this philanthropy (laughs) thank you easy easy enough to get out philanthropy outreach we'll call it what do you think the role is that art plays in wider social issues i think the it the role is sort of how we define it it's what we decide that it is or or maybe experiment and see what it can be but for me (laughs) best intentions um (laughs) but for me i think it's like i just always almost like metaphysically like recognize art as this like insanely generative force like i just always feel like it's like you know that like tip of the welding rod where it's just like and like it's just making things kind of happen there's like a heat and an energy there that can cause like you know two metals to fuse and cause all these other kind of reactions and so i'm always like i'm always like okay that's the creative spark let's just move it around let's just see what it can do in these other places and like is it like can that same kind of creative like belief in magic be used to transform a situation that seems hopeless if so let's try that i mean thank god you didn't become a studio painter yeah. <laughs> although, although when I do sit down and do a bit of studio painting, oh, I love it. It's so fun. Wait, wait, but it's, it's like, like a, a, it's like a, a personal p- kind of magic. But like, it's just like the way you just articulate that. It's like oh, I'm so glad that you didn't just decide. Like, on it's shit. true. It's not really. It's not my true self. Yeah, it's not my true self. And I always knew that. I was like, there's something else in here that I need to figure but out. What, what are some? You know, you've done so many projects. What was a project you really, really wanted to come to fruition that just didn't happen that you still like, it's like, I'm going to get this done at some point in my life. Like, is there things that you're kind of like, I went about this the wrong way and I think I can come back to it and do something. Well, you know, I think it's what I'm doing right now. So like when I was 20, I saw a William Kentridge movie, got my mind blown and decided that I was an animator. But I also was like a 20 year old kid with probably undiagnosed ADHD and a shit ton of energy. And I was like, either I could like tweak myself to death on animation or I could like rage around the streets and be a maniac. And like the choice was obvious. Right. I was like, okay, I'm going to put this aside. So then flash forward 20 years later, multiple life crises, all kinds of like familial deaths and like, you know, trauma and therapy and like just like a deep need to be like, I'm going to like sit down for a minute. Um, Kind of I felt like the universe sort of picked me up by the scruff of my neck and was like, okay, down, down, girl, like chill for a minute. And in that like moment and so i i picked that back up and all of a sudden i was like oh my god there's all like i could never have done it back then i needed to to be who i am now to do it and then that has led me into this whole trajectory where i'm learning how to direct film do you find art therapeutic even as a career does it still help you release those you know feelings or experiences and a thousand percent i mean the core of the work if it's going to remain true, it's always going to be that, you know, the, the when you said like even as a career, like for me, the sort of the career is like third, fourth stage. The the creation is first stage. And that's always, you know, the creation. Every single time I've ever made something that's new, my whole I'm like, oh, this is unmonetizable. It's, you know, it's for nothing. It's just for me. And then somehow like a year or two later, there will start to be some way that, that actually becomes you know, part of my support system. But that that often happens like a couple years later after I've already been like, oh, no, no, this is just a weird thing I'm doing for myself. When it comes to like something like animation, you do kind of have to, to change your brain a little bit because you're not, I mean, it's sellable, but it's not sellable. It's kind of it a was, it, I didn't yeah. think it was when I was making yeah. it. And then NFT came along. And then suddenly my friend was like, would you like me to email you some money? And I was like, you know, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> is that, was that the, the, the breadth of the conversation? Would you like me to email you some money? Yes. 
Um, but so how did it go from doing these, you know, we've seen these things on Instagram a little bit, the animations you were, you're making. I, I think you presented them at Jeffrey Deitch a couple of years ago. But how did it come now? You're directing something longer. I know we're jumping around, but like what, what you can't just mention that without like, what, what are you doing? What's going on? Again, what are you doing? That's a very long-term process. So it's not going to be for a while, but I'm, I'm basically in the, I ended up writing a fairy tale. Um, which was this kind of weird, I really have like always found like my creative muse to be like this funny little like imp, impish nymph little gremlin that's like in my brain being like, now we're doing this. And I'm always like, what are we doing? This is so weird. And I really felt that way about writing. I was just like, now I'm typing and I don't know why. And it was like, then this whole kind of fairy tale came out and then I, and then it just stayed. My friend like told me this story the other day. She was like, oh, that's Haunted Nugget. I was like, what's Haunted Nugget? And she was like, it's when like something comes up and it will not go away. And it's like the little and it just sits on your shoulder and it's the nugget of like a project and it's there and it just it will not go away. And she's like, nobody puts nugget in the corner. Like it's not, <laughs> it's never going to go. And you just you have to eventually it will come into fruition because it's not going anywhere. And so that was sort of how this fairy tale was. It just like stayed and stayed. And then I slowly started to connect with people. I started working with a producer. We got into this program, the Sundance Writer Director Program. And and that's it's like essentially like a film school of sorts because I hadn't done any kind of film school. So it was like all these like amazing like Oscar winning screenwriters that would just like sit you down and be like, we love you. This is amazing. And just tear it to shreds and then be like, but don't give up. <laughs> it was incredible. It was incredible. Um, and then like working on directing, you know, learning that part. And then um, and then, yeah, just I'm kind of still in, in that process right now. Can you give us a sort of overview of what this fairy tale is uh, story is about? Yeah. Yeah. So um, there's two, give two, us, give us two your brief. girls. Yeah. I actually don't have a brief, weirdly. So it's an autobiographical fairy tale. I'll just tell you the like, the like, how it came to be. Sure. It's an autobiographical fairy tale, and it's um, based on a time when I was about, I think about seven, and my mom had a full-on psychotic breakdown. And it was totally terrifying, and I had like a ton of PTSD around it in adulthood that I didn't even quite realize. And then I started doing all kinds of therapy, like the day after one of the therapy sessions, I was just like, I couldn't sleep because, you know, it can be quite kind of scary when you're sort of bringing all this stuff up. Dig, digging in. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We, we close all that up real tight. <laughs> For a reason. For a reason. Do not open the box. Yes. Do not so open like, the, the box. The box is open and I'm like, huh. I can't stop crying. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, one day there was a wicked witch. And I just started retelling the story kind of with like transposed into a fairy tale. And I found that it like deeply settled my heart in a way. And I was like, oh, like my inner psyche speaks fairy tale. That's like the language she wants to speak in. And so it's it's about these two little girls that are kind of growing up with a witch. And she's the little one of the little girls is like discovering her intuition at the same time as this this kind of caretaker is having a psychotic breakdown. And she's trying to understand where the line is. Like, is it can she step into her own kind of intuition and creativity without becoming mad like this person? And also, how is she going to survive this? Have you had, you had you written before? I mean, not really. I did have like a moment in high school where I was like, oh, weird. Am I going to be a writer? And then it just, I remember at the time, it was like I had craft, but I didn't have anything to say. Right. I think because I was just, I was young and I was too uh, repressed or whatever. Like all that, I was like shoving down my true self because it was, you know, scary or whatever. Had a lot of trauma to deal with. And then like, I think once I started to unpack all that stuff and I didn't have to like sort of hide so much self from myself, then I became able to actually write with story. And did it, uh, did writing feel like an extension of what your practice was already? It did. And also, I just feel like I'm a communicator. Like, I think I'm a professional communicator. If you're building an installation, there's a story behind it, right? Yeah. You're, you're, right. you're creating something there. So it's maybe not just as formalized as as writing a full, you know, fairy tale, but there's, there's that process there. But the, and the narratives start to emerge even in and of themselves. Like I would sort of piece together the figures in different ways. Like, oh, this sort of feels like this narrative is emerging. And, you know, people would go through it and find their own and tell me about it. So it was always like a little stickiness, a little kind of narrative, um, I don't know, kind of propulsion within those works. And you had always done re recurring characters. <laughs> And you would place them in different contexts or different different medium, you know, different styles of, of art or of way you would do things. So it's like we kind of were going on a journey with you already. Right. And so that's and so when people see little bits of what I'm working on, they tend to be like, oh, this is just like an absolute extension of that. It's like they've just started moving. Now they've started talking. But it's 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 really not that different. If you're 
making an installation for a space then how does that process work for you do you already have an idea of what it is you're trying to you come into a museum and go right i've got this thing this will fit here that 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 works or do you see a space and then start to respond to it how does that that process work for you um so far i have tended to see a space yeah i really i kind of it's like i think in the same way that like you know you do a pay step out on the street you're always looking at like you know what what's this alcove feel like who's walking by here how does it kind of become an outgrowth of the architecture and then once i was then asked to work inside architecture i was still responding to the architecture i always thought that if i went back to school it would be for architecture it's like really throwing me that i'm doing film but because i was always quite obsessed with architecture in that way and so and so, yeah, it was always a little bit of like a, a, a conversation with the space. Does it feel different than working on the outside to the inside for you? Always totally different. But it just allows a part of a different part of my brain to open up because the outside, you have one set of considerations. They're pretty strict. You know, it's like flat on a wall as we get rained on, da, 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 like, you know, but on the inside, there's just just formally you can do all these different things. You know, and the other thing is I do think on the inside do actually this is weird to say, but I do restrict myself a tiny bit with content out on the street. Because I just think nobody's, it's everybody's seeing it. So like, for example, I did a piece in a museum where I went deep into like familial trauma. And I was like, there was recordings and these really quite scary images. And I was like, because if you came into this space, you came into this space, right? It's, it's, you've, you've made the choice. You've stepped right. through the door, you've made the choice and you have allowed yourself to access these really deep personal experiences. Whereas if somebody's out on the street, I actually, I prefer to be like a source of joy and comfort. Out street, to be honest, many, many people who are like living homeless have said to me like this piece feels like my friend. And so I'm, I'm kind of thinking about that when I'm outside in a way that I'm not thinking about it when I'm inside, you know, and that's, it is interesting to think about, you know, in some ways I always felt that limitation of an, of an indoor space. But there is another way in which I do give myself a certain permission once I'm in that protected space. How do you think institutions like that impact creativity? Do you think it's, uh, you know, do you think there's a harmonious relationship? Do you think they nurture creativity and encourage it? Or is it something else? I mean, to be honest, I've always felt nurtured and encouraged. Um, you know, I think the, for me, it's almost like, it's always like a yes and. Like, I haven't found that there's too many spaces that I, like, absolutely hate or won't go into. It's just that if you were to say, your entire career will only ever be this, I would be like, no. And that's, I think, why I reacted so hard when I was in art school, because at that time we weren't, there was there were few models that I had seen of, like, letting your work live in different ways. And so I kind of was getting funneled into this idea that, like, if if it's a square on a wall, it's a square on a wall and that's all it ever is. Now I'm like, oh, I love squares on walls. They're great. Like, absolutely. And they contain part of the story of all this other work that I'm doing. And I love them as like this one facet of this larger puzzle. So it's not like I, I never feel like that any one of these things is like particularly bad. It's just that it can never be the whole story. Do you does it, when an institution comes to Swoon Studio and says, we want to have you do something, do they come with a set of expectations that you're kind of like, hey, look, I don't necessarily want to do what you think I want to do. Like it, it has happened or I mean, it depends. So the first the, the, I when I right now, I'm actually even also taking a break from huge installations that are in this way. But uh, back in the day, I would do these like really intensive, immersive installations. And I used to actually sit down with the director of the museum and I would be like, just so you know, you don't want to work with me. And I would be like, I'm going to destroy your floors. I'm going to destroy your walls. I'm going to have like 50 dirty punks in here and they're going to scare the crap out of everyone. And we're going to break the lift and we're going to drive it into the wall and you're going to hate my guts. And I was just like, I was like, I'm going to tell you this now because I don't want you to get disappointed later. Like you need to hear this and you need to still say yes. And then if you still say yes, like we're good, you know. That's kind of what I wanted you to say. Yeah, <laughs> that was great. I remember when... You had already done some really incredible projects like, you know, the Venice Biennale, all that. And you, you were already a star. It, but would art in the streets happen to moment? <laughs> you don't know why that made me laugh. I, want to say, I, w I wish you could see her face there. <laughs> I can say that to my friend. That was good. That was, that was a sweet moment. I'm not going to lie. When art in the streets happened at Mocha, I remember I felt like your installation was a little bit like, okay, boys, I, I, I don't fuck around. And it, I thought it was such a stellar installation piece in a room full of men kind of kicked a lot of ass in this context of this world which is very heavily male do you sometimes feel like I, when you put something up like that you're like yeah see guys all right boys move aside a little bit or are you not like do you not get like that i get like that okay yeah let's go girls okay so like I, this is i just want to get this out of the way 
I have felt very, very supported by the the boys and men and, and male people of the street art world, whatever we want to call themselves. Like the boys, the boys, the boys. I, I really know, like a hundred percent, like so much support, so much care. Like people always think that I'm going to come with these stories. I'm like, no, 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 I felt depressed. Like, like I really feel like that people have been like, fuck yeah, come in here. Let's do this. And like, just, just in so many ways, including in that installation um, where revoke, I didn't even know who he was. And we were having a complete crisis. Like this shit was about to fall down and somebody came in and held a pole for like 20 minutes. And if I was like almost like shaking, like nerve freaked out. And at the end, I was like, oh, my God, thank you so much. What's your name? And he was like, I revoke it. I was like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? Like, that's who just helped me like <laughs> rescue my installation. So like full on support. You know what I mean? And so it's it's not about any specific like humans, but there I think in society as a whole, when you grow up as a woman in the era that I grew up in, there's a hundred percent this feeling that you're going to have to lap everyone three or four times like to be heard, that you're just going to have to do that. You're just going to have to be like, it's going to be as big and as persistent and as like putting everything into it, like kind of just to show up on the radar. It's actually it's ironic that Revoke would be the one helping you because now he thinks so architecturally focused in his work. Yeah. That seems like kind of like, what an interesting kind he of- He saw the crisis and yeah, he was like, I got you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> amazing. Relatively recently, you would uh, start doing the- you were exploring the pregnancy and the, mm-hmm. the, the woman giving birth, that imagery. And I really, really enjoyed seeing that and the unflinching way that you were approaching it. What triggered that and what was the response to the back of that? So what triggered it was I, you know, I'm 45 now. So at that point I was like late 30s and I was like, what am I doing? Do I want to have a child? And I was like, I just felt like I was making the decision to not have kids, but I wanted to make a clear-eyed decision. And for me in life, if I'm going to look at something, if I'm going to think about something, I'm going to do it through art. And so I was like, I'm just going to, I'm going to be drawing these, you know, images of women. And 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 so I just started first with a friend of mine who I reconnected with actually while my mom, my mom was passing away. So I think it was also, you know, thinking about just motherhood and all that kind of stuff. And so I started on this series of images and I just loved them. I just found them so beautiful. And then and then I also did feel a little kind of sense of challenge of being like, oh, there aren't really aren't images of women giving birth that you can go through these museums and you can see all the decapitations you like. You can see every form of gore, every form of human experience, but you're not witnessing birth. I'm like, what is going on there? You know? And so I was like, OK, I'm just going to I'm going to make one of these drawings. And of course, Judy Chicago does have that birth project. But that's another one where it's like, I don't know, I never saw that in a museum. Like it's, you know, th- those projects would tend to get buried. And I found that like. The only kind of interesting thing that I noticed is that people love those images, like love them, but they will not like in terms of like commercially supporting them, crickets. It's like wild. That that image in particular, people were kind of quite scared of it. Like it was like it was like kind of feeling generally supportive. But in, and actually Jeffrey Deitch said this interesting thing to me where he was like, we were talking about it and he was just saying, oh, you're not going to sell that piece. And I was like, what do you mean? People love this piece. And he was like, I have a Picasso painting. It won't sell and it's just of a pregnant woman and it's a book and i i was like he's not right like he, he he's got to know like things have changed no he's he, he's always right <laughs> not always but you know what i mean yeah. he knew and i was like whoa i can't believe he called that we haven't even really asked like what is the actual process for you to make a piece of art like what what does it start with like what's the genesis of like your imagery we are fucking jumping around here today. Yeah, we really are. Is that, is that fine? Is that fine? It's chaos. It's chaos. She talked about her early sketches and it made me go like, oh, we haven't even really talked to There's no, there's no, there's no correct path on a podcast. No, there's not. No. We've learned that. That would be boring if all of a sudden we we're just Where were so, you born? Where were you born? <laughs> and when will you die? <laughs> I need this computer. We should go, we should go to a psychic while we're here. We'll find out where we're going to die. Ish. That would um, be fun, though. Yeah, just for fun, right? Just we for, like, could. We could just <laughs> take in a little uh, audio recorder. Everyone would be like, this took a different turn. <laughs> this is not the content I thought I was getting, but I'm here for it. Sorry, Evan. <laughs> you can ask your question now. I was going to oh, say... Where did this start? Where did this start? I was going to say, because you mentioned <laughs> drawings, and I just want to know what, what the stages of making a piece of artwork is for you. What, what does it start with? Yeah, well, so let me see. It starts with usually just seeing a person and being like, oh, I need to draw that person. And then I I don't do a ton of life drawing because I like to, I'm sl- very slow. Actually, I'm pretty bad at life drawing. And I I find that if I take videos, then I can try to capture like just a, a very like gentle but candid moment. But video rather than a photo. Yeah. And you know, the artist Matt Small taught me that. I don't know if you guys know him. He's amazing. This guy in, in England. Yeah. 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 Okay. He was like, take a video. And, and that is, I found it to be absolutely and it's weird because it takes a thousand times longer to see the um to, to find your image. But I have this like 
weird tweaky like i love the human face with like an obsessional capacity so that i can just spend hours like watching the like tiny facial expressions and just i find it like i'm, I'm like oh that's so like it's just fucking cool to watch a smile appear and disappear and like watch doubt come you know what i mean so like i just love and then you just like kind of find a few moments within that and then just draw them and then you kind of see like you'll have a bunch of sources to draw from and you'll draw them and, and there's this funny thing that happens where it's not always what you think is going to work on a drawing like a drawing kind of has its own life so like it's like oh that showed up well in drawing so okay that works as a drawing so let's kind of follow that track and then i just kind of like dig 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 into it and the you know carving a portrait in linoleum block is actually like insanely hard to do <laughs> it's crazy hard um because the it's just so unforgiving you only get two tones you're, you're using a knife and then it like prints backwards so it looks totally different and there's all these reasons why it's like very very challenging um and so it's one of those things where it just takes me like days and days and days of just like honing in on it just trying to make it you know, get it to appear i mean obviously it was a great question because the answer was great so it was a great question it was just it was just the placement of it i was like oh, okay we're going there i'm sorry yeah i, I think i had a nerve in that one <laughs> sorry uh i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna I'm going to equally fucking derail it. There we go. Uh, just <laughs> since we're doing this. Uh, and we, we mentioned, mentioned his name a couple of times. Uh, Jeffrey Deitch. Remember the first time you met him and what that experience was like. Because I, I was watching Fearless earlier and there's a, there's a real quick, it's a throwaway line. And he, he describes the first time meeting you and he, he says something like, and she was holding, she produced a banana. I end up visiting Swoon in her modest apartment in Brooklyn. I remember she had these distancing mechanisms. I came in to talk with her and she how produced a banana. It was an awkward circumstance for her of a gallerist coming in. And there was a banana thrown in and then we never hear about the banana and what it means. And I've been sitting since watching this going, what the fuck happened with this banana? You know, it's funny. I don't even remember the banana, but I think, I think for him, it was a signal that I was super awkward, that I was like, uh, do you, uh, welcome to my complete disastrously weird space. Do you want a banana? <laughs> it was just like, he was like, oh, she's, she's, uncomfortable. she's very uncomfortable, <laughs> which I was. I mean, I was like basically having a panic attack, I think, because like I, you know, I was, I really had this like quite developed sense of myself as an artist out on the street, but the one person in the gap in the sort of art world that i really really respected and was into was was jeffrey deitch i mean he was doing these shows like street market and yeah, like right yeah. he's just he was like the one that i was like oh but if jeffrey called like that would be different and then one day my friend calls and she's like jeffrey deitch is looking for you and i was like wait what um and so it was so it was so like oh everything could change if i do this this was your first time your first experience with a gallery not really but it was I had done little tiny things. I had already done a show, a show at a museum in Berlin. Like I had done things, but it was all very, um, I don't know, like sort of simpatico with the culture that I was part of. This sort of felt like this thing where it was like the outside world is calling, you know. And what did you have like a vision of what you wanted to get out of that meeting at the time? I'm just this is more of like as a young artist, some kind of a big person from the art world comes. Were you kind of like, well, I'm prepared to tell him my dreams? Like, or was it something where you're like, I don't know. I didn't know what was, I, Dwayne, of course you, you try not to think too much. Right. It was shocking. It was one of those things where you're like, literally like when like you write the daydream of what would happen, like that's what happened. So basically he comes in and he's like, oh, this is great. Like, great. You know, he's very casual. And then he says, yeah, come by the gallery next week. I want you to have a show. And I was like, what? And then I came by the gallery and I and he's like, what? And he's like, tell me what you want to do. So I come by and I like describe this whole thing. And he says, oh, well, you don't have space to do that. Do you want a studio? And I was like, and he like gave me this studio for like three months to make this vision in. And That's fucking cool being able to just be the guy that goes by. Just, you, you need a studio. Here, have a studio. You know, just I will make your dreams come true. No, it was incredible. It was incredible. It was transformative. I feel like you might be the part of, since we were talking about generations earlier, who knows what generation we are, but you're part of like the last generation, I think, of artists who went to art school and didn't necessarily expect that Jeffrey Deitch was going to come to their studio. Because it feels like nowadays there's a generation of, of younger artists who like that wouldn't even phase them. They expect it because 
there's been there's so much movement in the art world that's going more and more young because every every gallery everyone's trying to look for the young hot artist like you're kind of part of that last generation where it was a little bit like this is happening yeah 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 yeah, yeah. does it kind of surprise you like how confident these younger artists are right now i mean yes i think you know one thing that sort of surprises me i don't know why this seems funny to me but i i like it but you see all these painters and i did a bunch of painting when i was like during the the lockdown but i remember the, that i watched them and they're essentially painting the kinds of paintings that i would have made if i kept painting them. it's kind of sweet <laughs> you're like wokey firing shots at them here <laughs> i know no i'm not because i will like their painting it's a kind of nice that somebody like you're like it's like watching somebody who is, doesn't have to like overdo it or something you're like oh you just you're just like doing that but it, it maybe i am maybe i did feel a sense of like wow i never would have let myself do that i thought we had to do this like 50 tier like mental episode of like whatever but so i do i feel that like i feel that yeah that sense of confidence of like they just like allow themselves to make but i don't know if that's true of all artists but i just i guess i see that like of certain artists being like okay like there's something sort of nice about it that kind of connects back to what we were saying earlier about you being kind of a pioneer in this scene, like, do you feel proud of being on that pantheon of kind of pioneers? Like when somebody comes up to you at this and kind of says, you're one of the reasons why I did it's like, do you, does it sense of pride, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Huge. Yeah. It's like, it's like very quite emotional, honestly. Yeah. You're like, oh my God. Yeah. Because it's so, it's like connects directly to yourself at that age. And like knowing that like, we do that we do build bridges for each other and like how much it meant for me the people who built those bridges for me and being like oh my god it's me now like yeah. that's crazy what are you most proud of if you look back oh gosh i don't know um the thing honestly the thing i keep saying right now the thing i'm really proud of is the is braddock the project in braddock okay because it was so hard because every road pointed to giving up for like so many years it was like grueling and it was sort of honestly like almost like humiliating to be like here's this thing and like please help and like you know the sort of whole arc of it and like learning the hard lessons in public and like but the fact that I stayed with it and the fact that like my own journey of like spiritual and personal growth is the thing that led me to finding like what the true answer was I'm like fuck yeah <laughs> like yeah fuck yeah when was the last time you were firmly out of your comfort zone then not right now I'm, I'm visiting my comfort zone. No, I'm meaning like, well, working on this film is so, 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 so out of comfort zone. Is that what okay. kind of maybe pushes you into that? Because like, if you've done the streets, you've done the museum, it's like, cool, tick, 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 tick. I, I completed it, right? My particular artistic temperament needs to be solving new kinds of problems. Like I remember the day that I like quit working on the rafts and it was like we had thrown the drill into the water again. And I was like, oh, again, again. I was like, you know what? I would love a different problem right now. I just want like a different kind of problem. Yeah, and it, <laughs> that's amazing. It just feels like that where like my brain is just like, you know, the, I feel like it's like why they say the arts and sciences, that there's like a part of like the creative brain that's like, I must be solving a problem. I must be solving a new kind of problem. What do you get joy at right now that's not part of your kind of art practice like what are the things that you're doing because you're talking about spiritual growth and what are you doing that's outside of making that's kind of mm. all right this is i'm not swoon right now i'm caledonian I'm kind yeah, of yeah, like yeah. what do you yeah gosh i you know i like i started surfing a few years ago there we go which is like amazing i love it and and what's great about it is i'm super terrible at it and the freedom of being terrible at something you will never be good at is 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 a true freedom i'm not going to be shredding waves anytime soon i don't know if they say shredding waves is yeah. that, a, um, is, that yeah. a, is that a thing as as the what as the one person from california here no please weigh in please weigh in <laughs> yeah, but you, you, you can say it for fun you can say yeah. it for fun it's just in case any any californians are listening going what the that's not the terminology <laughs> so when you're shredding waves uh, uh, it's a i needed to do an action <laughs> yeah exactly i missed it like that and just kind of like you know trying i think i'm having like a a little bit of like a second. Oh, I'm 45, right? So midlife crisis. I bet that you had to ask us. I'm 45, right? Yeah, right. Am I? What was we talking about? So like a little midlife crisis, which is like manifesting and just like doing like just like fun, like making youthful mistakes and just doing fun dumb shit and then just like silly things I did in my childhood. But then that brings brings you back to like why you're here at a street art festival, like years out of retirement, like you're getting the band back together, sort of like it's reforming for a show. There's a freedom to doing that, which is earned. When I was watching Fearless and I was watching particularly 
the rafts and the journeys and the the way that you were you know i felt like there was a real sort of sense of a americana coming through with your experience and your journey how has that changed your relationship with it? yeah i mean I, I i sort of feel like it's been happening for so long that those cities have all changed as well you know but like i i think like coming back here and and kind of going around and and I, I felt like reconnected to this sense of wanting to put things in those like a little bit like hidden unlikely places so that people could discover them kind of on like their worst day or like walking home from work or like you know, just in that, like, in that spot of, like, I don't know, when you say, like, Americana, and, and I was thinking about how there's something about, like, like just who we are. I feel like Americans are very, like, it's, like, who we are just, like, on our, our regular day. Like, they say with Americans, like, they were talking about, like, England has this crazy class system, but, like, Americans have this very, like, like, there's just, yeah, I don't know, I know, there's... I know exactly, I know exactly what you're saying. I, I It's, okay, this is, I'm completely tangential, but there's this, like, crazy story from a Malcolm Gladwell book about, um, Kore about Korean Airlines. Do you guys know this story? Where Korean Airlines was, like, crashing constantly at one yeah, point. Yeah, I do know this and one. And they switched and they made them speak English, American English, because they were, like, in Korean Airlines, there's a hierarchy of power within the language, be, and, and it was causing people to not challenge their captains, and it was causing people to crash but when they changed it and they and they were it was they were like who has the lowest like power index in the world and it was like americans like that there's this sense of like all of our ordinariness all together and that kind of caused them to be able to like then challenge their superiors which i just thought was sort of fascinating and and when you said americana i was just like thinking about like so my film it's like it's kind of about growing up at the end of a dirt road in this place where like everybody was like halfway in crisis and everybody was like having mental breakdowns and like crazy addictions just fucking like driving themselves mad that you could be that kid you can be like that seven-year-old and be like but one day i'm going to be making art and putting it in in like the you know museums of the world like one day i'm gonna like i'm it's 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 totally a likely trajectory that i'm going to come out of that and i i feel that feels like americana to me in some way yeah i mean when you're doing like the the boat going down the Mississippi, it's like there's a Mark Twain. Yes, every everybody would be like, I but wish I without, had done that. Without, without I the, always wanted to do that without the racism thing, and like, and then like, but then you bring it to Venice, and it has a whole different look and feel. It feels yeah. almost like po post-apocalyptically kind of beautiful. Do you think your work feels inherently American? I feel that you are just having looked through that. I feel like you could only come from America. Okay. Yeah, he's the one to know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> as, as an outsider looking, just I couldn't just look at a uh, paste up in the street and go, well, that's an American artist. I couldn't do that. But if I look at the body of work and the, the variety of it, it's particularly when I see things like rafts going down the Mississippi or riding freight trains and stuff like that. Like this is like all that stuff. In, when I was wa watching this, it was just all ticking over. Like this could only be done. This is an American artist. This is like such a, a deeply American story that I'm watching here. And do they play it up like when you do a show like in Europe? Do they play it up like this is very American folk or something? Do they play that up, or do you? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Weird place to end it. Uh, dream project. Honestly, my dream project is is where I'm at right now. I really wanna like I, I I'm working on this specific film, but I've written like two others already, just kind of in my mind. Um, yeah, it's like very weird things started to happen where actually both times it was during. So I do like a ten day silent meditation every year. And both times, like on like the ninth day, it was like some lid just like popped off and this like whole entire film just came out. And I was like sort of being like, OK, I know I'm supposed to be meditating and not writing, but I'm just going to like write this down. I think like my dream right now is to is to learn how to catch up with that and make those movies and like just under just just do it. Will you try and know that you've got to make the movie before you start thinking about how you're exhibiting or, or showing it? Is that something that is already taking away there well what i'm finding is weirdly is that like because i think because i'm me and not just like a a movie like not like a born movie director i'm i have all these years of visual art i'm finding that as i develop the movie like the we introduce the characters to new york city in this event on a carousel where like little amal came in she's like this giant puppet and that was like this right, sort of right. perf amazing the yeah. performative yeah she was amazing it was like this performative introduction to the characters and then like i started doing these kind of storytelling nights where I would kind of tell part of the story and show images. So I'm finding that like the process of the movie being born is is not like linear. You know, it's it's starting to ha it's starting to express itself in these different ways. And so I think that that's going to keep happening. I like that. I can't just picture you just being like, okay, cool. I made this movie and I, you know it's on Netflix and you can yeah. see it there. So there has to be a swoon element in there. As a geek, I'm happy to hear that there is. Yeah, this was fun. Thank you guys.
If you happen to live in the north of Scotland, you can head over to the Noir Aberdeen page to find the locations of her paste-ups, which are scattered across the city. Who knows how long each of them will last, but they are well worth the hunt. Thanks once again to Caledonia for her time and her energy, and thank you to the whole team at Noir Aberdeen for hosting us for the week. We'll be back with our second part in this series shortly as we finally sit down with new art founder Martin Reed. You do not want to miss this one. Till then, look after yourselves and each other. <laughs>